Hey everyone, and welcome or welcome back to the Mississippi Artist to Artist podcast. I'm extremely happy to have Brejen Allen with us today. Brejen is a, an artist that is just so fun to watch on social media. Just the, you have a way of mixing humor and real life situations and pop culture and this really fun entertaining so it brings like not only not only your art to to people's view but your personality and you and and getting invested in you as an artist so i'm i'm just so excited to have you here with us to get started off Brigen why don't you tell us a little bit about growing up and your history with art Awesome. Okay. Well, first off, thank you so much for having me and saying all those awesome kind things about me and my tomfoolery on social media. Um, <laughs> so let's see. Growing up, I always had a great support system through my family for um, my artsy ways. I've always been artsy. I came out um, as a toddler just wrecking the walls and my mom tells people this story about this white carpet she got when I was four that I ruined with Crayola markers. I don't know why she decided to get white carpet with toddlers but yeah so I was just (laughs) I was just always really artsy really creative and my parents really that in me they didn't um try to sway me away from it even if I did you know ruin furniture um they kind of gave into it and before before long my mom was helping me you know um draw all over my walls and she just gave up and just said you know let's just do it it's I can't stop it so yeah by the time I was in my teens um my room just like had paint all over the walls and the walls were my sketchbooks. So growing up, I was very lucky to have a family that supported um, my creativity. Even if I deviated away from it, and was like, Oh, I want to be a doctor. I want to do something serious. They all just kind of looked at me like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> so it was fun. I was very fortunate to have a supportive family, but yeah. Did you have any type of arts in high school? I did have, I had an art teacher, Miss Madison, in um, in high school. And yeah, it was great. That was like, that was really fun. I, I had like a summer camp earlier in elementary school that I did with arts, but I didn't really get a lot of access to supplies until that particular class in high school with Miss Madison and she knew that I was going places before I even did like everybody knew I was just painting and and drawing and having fun and everybody was looking at me like yeah you you're gonna do something serious with this like you don't you think you're just fooling around but this is like this is really good work but so yeah she was she was very she was a very cool teacher and she was very, she was nice and she was soft and introverted like I was. So I really vibed with her and really liked her. She was different from all the other teachers who were just like yelling at me and, you know, just really stressed out. She was, she's the teacher that was a vibe, which I guess you could expect from the art teacher, right? But yeah, so I loved her class. I will, um, 
I would write little notes. I was like one of the only kids in the school who could like write really legible cursive. That was just like really nice. So I would write my little um, excuses and forage the teacher's signature. So I would get to go to Ms. Addison's class. <laughs> so that was like my little side hustle inside in, in, in high school. The kids would come to me. I would write their excuses and forage signatures. Um, so I would get to, I would write mine so I could get to go to Ms. Madison's class. Um, but yeah, that was my first, I wouldn't say it was my first because I did have the summer camp, but that was the one where I, you know, was old enough to be like, man, this is cool. She's like my escape from high school. And you ended up at the Art Institute of um, Chicago, correct? Yes. So I went to EMCC first um, and did my two years there under Terry Cherry and Lisa Spinks. And then, um, when I was applying for schools, Miss Spinks was um, she was really adamant about SAIC because you know it's so instrumental in the art scene for like the whole country. So she was talking about how like when they over in Germany when the Holocaust was happening and the Jewish artists had to like escape, they came over and started the Art Institute. She was like all into the history of it. Um, I wanted to go to Yale. So I applied to Yale and the Art Institute in SCAD. Um, and I got into SCAD and I got into the Art Institute with a scholarship and I didn't get into Yale. So I was like, okay, I guess you win. <laughs> so I went there and then it was, the city is so amazing. And I'm from Gary, Indiana, which is like 20 minutes from Chicago. So I was like, I guess, this is a practical decision. I mean, as far as art school goes, art school isn't exactly practical, but, you know, um, to go back home closer to, you know, my family, um, it was, it was pretty easy decision between SAIC and SCAD. So, um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really grateful for EMCC and um, their preliminary teaching. They introduced me to a lot of stuff that I hadn't done before. My first oil painting, um, I remember under under Mr. Cherry, we, we did like oil painting for the first time and it was everyone's first time and we got to pick our canvas and I picked like the biggest canvas I could find. It was like Oh man, it was like three feet by four feet. And he looked at me and he's like, Are you sure you wanna this is your first time you wanna go? I was like, Yes, yes, this is what I wanna do. This is it. This big canvas, go big, go home. And I still have it. My first my first oil painting is over in um in storage over there. So I'm really grateful for them. And then I, I applied and got the scholarship and I was like well if they're gonna pay for it <laughs> might as well <laughs> so that's how I ended up up there and it was so much fun it was the best time of my life I loved college um it was very stressful I cried every day but I loved it <laughs> it was it was very rigorous um incredibly <sighs> people say you know you're an artist, you must be having so much fun. It must be so easy to just be creative and just do what you want to do and just go where the 
be as the air and be a free spirit. But let me tell you, you go to art school, it is the exact opposite. (laughs) Because you are getting graded on your creativity and how you can, how creative you can think and and then you have deadlines and people critiquing and telling you that your stuff looks terrible. And you're like, but this is what's in my head. This is what you wanted. It's incredibly confusing and very rigorous. And it it's crazy. So, yeah, I always tell people when they tell me that you try it. So... It's a dedicated time around people that are dedicated to the same things that you are doing. And it's probably one of the only times in your life where you're going to be that close and that confined with a whole bunch of critical people. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We are all, it's, it's like a, you don't want to say it's like a competition. Um, but me being competitive. (laughs) Yes. I'm like, this is a competition. Um, I, well, I am supportive of all my art friends, all my art girlfriends. We collaborate on lots of different projects, um, but I'm competitive. I'm also very business minded. So when I went to the Art Institute, um, with all institutions, there's flaws. I didn't appreciate how when I went to art school, they really pushed, you know, studio and your craft and making paintings and teaching you how to think about creativity but they didn't push business and how to market yourself and how to sell these paintings after you graduate. Um, They really just want you to fall into galleries and depend on gallerists and, you know, the traditional model for how to be an artist, get a representative. So they didn't teach you at all about, you know, business and how to sell it or like a website or e-commerce, nothing like that. So they did have business classes. They didn't push them out like they should have. They really pushed out, you know, art history. You need, you need 20 hours of art history. We would really love it if you sat in this art history class for four hours and talked about all these old paintings of naked people like that was so important to my development apparently but not a business class (laughs) i think that's one of the things that's bothered me about art history curricula is that they do they go in and they talk about all these monumental paintings which is okay you need to know that stuff you know you need to know what changes the world every once in a while but they barely dive into the backgrounds and the lives of the artist and that's what you really need to know like how did they survive because that still translates yeah like they they didn't survive like van gogh sold one painting so like (laughs) so it's not it's not um it's necessary but i really would have appreciated if they made business as mandatory as they did the art history so i mean have that stuff that i memorized on flashcards for art history class i don't even remember anymore so I and I go to the museums now and I go to shows and I'm like, this looks familiar. This looks like something I've seen in art history. But I don't know, like this is from 1857. And this is Manet. Like, I don't know specifically. Um, so, yeah, but being being business minded, I 
I am competitive and I look at art school as these are my competitors in a market for art where I'm trying to sell paintings and pictures for thousands of dollars. So yeah, when I when I got up there and I was doing that and I was trying to I was supporting other artists and collaborating with other artists, but I was also figuring out how am I going to compete with these artists? Um, how's my work different? How's my work satisfying a visual need that hasn't been um, explored yet? Or if it has been explored, how can I do it in a different way? So, yeah. So how did you end up in Mississippi? Okay, <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so when... When I was around 11, when we first moved here, I was 11. And that was because my grandfather had a stroke and we moved here to take care of him. So we, when we lived in Gary, it was on the decline. Um, it was very inner city and it was, it was ghetto. And I, was, I don't even know how else to put it. Um, there was a lot of gang violence. The... Um, Chicago was getting gentrified on the west side. So all of the gangs were getting pushed out and they were coming over to our city and they were clashing with the gangs that were already there. So it was very, very dangerous. It was like, it was routine to, you know, just get on the floor when you heard bullets. Like you just drop to the floor and then we just get back up and go about the rest of the day. We didn't really think anything of it, but my parents were like trying to like get us out of there. So when we lived in Gary, um, when we weren't in school on the weekends, we would actually leave the city and go fishing in the country every single weekend because my parents just did not want us to be in that environment. And there was nothing else for us to do. Um, You couldn't just go to the playground like that was just it was dangerous and we didn't even realize it. So um, that my, my grandfather being sick gave them a little bit more pressure to move us out of that environment. And so that was why we moved to Mississippi. Um, And then they had talked about moving back, but we ultimately just ended up staying because they enjoyed the peace and quiet. Um, It's a lot less dangerous. Um, Even in like the cities, they talk about like the shootings that are going on in Meridian. And I'm just like, It could be a lot worse. Like y'all don't even know. (laughs) So um, yeah, that's how I got. That's how my family got here. And then after college, when I graduated in 2020, so right in March, when everything went down, it was actually my birthday weekend, March 15th in 2020. They were like, um, "We don't know what's really happening." That's what the school was. They were saying, we don't know what's going on, but y'all need to get out of here. So they were like, you got to get out of the dorm. We don't care where you go. You just can't stay here. And so we were just kind of like, whoa, what about the people that can't afford to go home? Or like me, I was I was working two jobs. I was like, okay, so now I have to like, we scrape together money to pay, pay for this plane ticket for me to get home. And I had to leave all my art supplies and I I couldn't take anything with me. So when I got back here, 
um, in March, I was just really depressed because I didn't have anything to create with. And, you know, the stores were like, we didn't even have like an art store here at that time because Hobby Lobby had just gotten built. So I didn't have any supplies. And I, um, I went to the schools and, you know, they have like stuff that they throw away um, that the kids just and by that time, the schools were like closing down. So I was just like going in dumpsters and getting like canvases and stuff that they were throwing away. That's just how low I was. I was just like really depressed and I was creating art that looked depressed. I was painting with my fingers because I didn't have brushes. So 2020 is how I got back to Mississippi after college. And I was doing I was doing my last semester entirely online and our teachers didn't know how to how do you teach a painting class on zoom like so we were all confused we were all angry and yeah it was incredibly frustrating but I graduated and I have a BFA (laughs) um and yeah so that's how I got back to Mississippi after the pandemic and um I was when I first got back uh, on the plane, I, they they didn't say anything. They said, you know, we don't know if you're supposed to wear a mask or gloves or we, they didn't know what, nobody knew what to do. So I had this Louis Vuitton fabric and I cut a mask out of it because I was also in the fashion program there. So if I'm going to put something on my face, it has to to be branded it has to look fashionable so I got to the airport and people were like oh my god that's so nice and when I landed I had like two contracts with the hospital with a a local doctor like every everyone needed masks but there was a shortage no one knew where to get them and I was just I was like 19 hopping off the plane I had a sewing machine and I was making, I was making money and, but I didn't have any art supplies. I did not care. I was like, look, this is great, but I can't buy art supplies because there's no art store (laughs) and this isn't, this isn't fun. So that's, um, that was, I was in the news. I was on TV and it was all fun and great, but I couldn't paint, so I wasn't really happy. So that's that's the Mississippi story. I'm a lot happier now. Um, it's been two years, so I've gotten readjusted. I actually jo- just got back from Chicago last weekend. I went up there just to hang out with my um with my college friends because I hadn't seen them since everything went down two years ago. So it was really great to get to see them. But um, I've gotten readjusted to being in the South where everything is much slower. Um, But I think I'm like bringing them along with me. I'm like forcing the South to, I'm I'm making it work. So um, I'm a Meridian. I'm getting involved in organizations and we're making things happen. I refuse to just be here existing and going to a job and just just being I don't I don't want to say mediocre because hardworking people are admirable but 
that's just not my thing. I do not just want to get up and go to the job and just exist. So I am making it work. I'm having art shows. I'm selling art. I'm doing social media. I'm selling paintings that way. So I'm making it work and I'm getting adjusted and trying not to be so sad. (laughs) (laughs) I, I can completely relate to every bit of what you just talked about because moving back here is, is an adjustment, a really, really big adjustment. So I'm glad you're here because I, I enjoy just your presence in Mississippi, getting to watch what you're producing and your artwork is so cool. Like it's based around a lot of pop culture reference and then it's a lot of life influence in there. And it's these big, bold, bold, beautiful colors and subject matter. And I, I love figurative art anyway. And you have this interesting collage style of collaging images and, and stuff together. It's just, I, I really appreciate it. And you bring in a lot of um, unconventional media into your artwork. Like you, you were in the seven deadly sins show that we had. Uh, yeah. That was in February. And the, the two pieces that you had in it, gener- um, generosity and greed, they had these beads on it along with these plaster dollars. It was just beautiful. Like it was beautiful <laughs> and everything. And I loved looking at it. And it actually made me think about greed and, and um, generosity and what it means to, to different people. And I appreciate your artwork a lot. What inspires a lot of your art? Well, I, let's see. I, I paint what I like to look at quite honestly. <laughs> I don't paint anything that I wouldn't want to have in my house because ultimately until it sells, that's where it's going to be at. I'm going to have to look at it every day. Um, I'm not, that I don't know. I don't want to paint anything that I don't want to look at. I don't really do a lot of abstract stuff. I, I have great respect for the abstract artists and all that. And it, a lot of it is beautiful, but I want to put a little bit more effort into what I do um and I want something that has meaning I understand abstract as having meaning with motion and emotion but I want something that I can look at and be like this is something and it means something and I want people to look at it and try to figure out what I meant by what I painted so what inspires me is just what I see around me or what I want to see around me in the future. So um, with the greed and generosity piece, like I, I created it for that, this, the parameters. Um, I didn't have it before because I really wanted to exhibit with you all because I hadn't, I hadn't exhibited with any gallery in Mississippi before. So, and you all were like really cool and you were active on social media and you were like, we're a gallery, but we're not a gallery. It was very <laughs> mysterious. And it attracted me and I was like, well, I want to exhibit with the gallery that's not a gallery. So I'm going to make these pieces that they cannot turn down because I built them for this exhibit. (laughs) (laughs) So when you guys accepted it, I was like, oh, yes, because this is just this is made for this, literally. So um, that's what that's what those pieces were about. You guys inspired me. So I made something specifically for you and so just whatever's around me that I can see that's inspiring me a lot of times it's about being black but sometimes it's not like lock on the crock was just like this funny meme I saw 
on Facebook that I was like, man, that is so funny. Like, what if I painted that? And what if it was art, but people are going to look at it and be like, that's not art. That's just a meme. But why can't a meme be art? So, and then how can I provoke people to think about what defines fine art and look at this glock on this crock and question how ridiculous we make fine art out to be just like this thing that's inaccessible to people and just like raising questions and being funny. I'm a huge goofball. So <laughs> yeah, it's, all of, all it's of those clever. things. Like you're very <laughs> clever with your art and you're clever with your statements and they're always entertaining, but they have so much truth to it. And if you're an artist, like please go and, and follow Jen's Jen's reels because they talk about real things that you go through as an artist. Like when people come up and doubt your artwork and you have an internal reaction that you don't tell them, go watch this reel. Like this yeah. is what you want to turn around and tell them every time. Like you're, you're, I, I yeah. You're just a joy to watch. Yeah, I try I try to be transparent because when I got to Chicago, it was a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of formality. And, you know, we gather in these groups around each other's artwork and we use all these fluffy terms and we just it's so ceremonial. And I just sit there and look at them like come on like really like really (laughs) oh it's just it's it's interesting and we're all so shy and introverted at art school nobody really wants to put it out there or I want to say talk about it because we talk about it amongst each other but we don't share about it on you know social media or publicly or we don't blog about it um so i found a niche that was underserved i was like this is we're funny we have these problems and a lot of our artsy problems regular people who don't have a creative bone in their body can relate with also so they end up identifying with it and the artsy people identify with it and so we just all get together in my comment section and <laughs> and chat and have fun and it I'm really grateful for the community that I've been able to build on Instagram and TikTok it's very cool um I didn't think for a second that I would end up being a TikToker or an Instagrammer my sister was actually the first one to start TikToking and she would do the dances and stuff and I would just like be so anti-TikTok like oh my god you're like one of those teenagers who's she was like on our flight home um from like Chicago during the pandemic that we had like scraped to put together she was doing a TikTok dance in the middle of the airport embarrassing me and I was like would you stop like what are you, what are you doing you are a grown woman and you are dancing for the internet and now I like do it every day for a living <laughs> So it's a full circle. Like God is so funny. He's like, huh, how about how about them apples? How you feeling now about that TikTok? <laughs> so it's 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 fun. I have a lot of fun getting on there acting and 
getting to connect with people and meet new people and come across opportunities. So yeah, if you are an artist or not an artist, I would love it if you check me out. I feel like um, I'm pretty great. I don't know. <laughs> I think so. You can Thank find you. Bri-Gen on Instagram. Um, just it's a Bri-Gen, just B-R-E-J-E-N-N. And mm-hmm. it's Um to find her website. What's your TikTok? I don't do TikTok. So <laughs> the TikTok is Bri-Gen Allen. Everything is supposed to be Bri-Gen Allen, like all my social media, except for Instagram. Because when I first started Instagram, I was like, man, it would be so cool to just have my username as my first name because then I'm like Beyonce, right? But (laughs) once it was available, I'm like, oh, I got it. I'm never changing this. So I can't, I can't change that. So everything's Bregen Allen. It's except for Instagram. Instagram is just Bregen because I'm trying to be like Beyonce. But the rest is Bregen Allen. All social media, Twitter. Um, I haven't mastered Twitter yet because it's just words and I'm not incredibly great with words. Um, I wish it was just pictures, but then that would just be Instagram all over again. <laughs> so I'm figuring out Twitter. You can follow me on there if you like. I try to say things that don't sound stupid. Um, and TikTok. TikTok, I, TikTok is more about like my life as opposed to like my art. So I just have regular stuff on there about like my gardening and just regular random stuff that you wouldn't think I'd be doing. My RV, I live in an RV. So that stuff is on TikTok. And then Facebook is for like my older audience, um, my family, uh, you know, the people that I see at church that, you know, my very PG stuff, um, more appropriate for my aunties and stuff, you know, that audience. But Instagram, I'm just like, everything's everything's everything it doesn't matter everything everything goes so yeah follow me anywhere whichever platform is most what you are what you want (laughs) well i want to ask you um two things and and we'll get everything wrapped up i appreciate you giving your time to this interview yeah absolutely one tell us a little bit about your process of making art Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whatever you feel is, is kind of your core process. And then I'll, I'll ask you about any advice that you have. Okay. So my process, I spend a lot of time thinking I wake up and you know, that hour where you wake up and you're like awake, but you're not really awake. You're still asleep, but you are not in deep sleep. That little area, I'm like thinking of art ideas. (laughs) And I'm like going through things. I'm thinking about the day I had the day before and what inspires me or what I'm seeing on social media. I'm just, I'm constantly thinking. I have my phone next to my bed. So it has like my notes that I whenever I wake up, if I still remember what I dreamed about, I'll write it down. Um, so I spend a lot of time thinking that's a, a big re- part of why I'm so quiet. Uh, people see me on social media and they think that I'm just this active and ex- just this extrovert, which I'm not. I, I sit in my RV and I'm quiet and I paint. Um, I enjoy silence. I, when I interact with other people, I'll get like a sensory overload with voices. So like, I don't, I, I won't even listen to music with people actually like singing because I don't want to hear nobody talking. I don't want to hear 
people. <laughs> so um, just a lot of silence, a part of my process, classical music, nothing with any words. And then when I do finally get a solid idea that isn't crap, I will sketch it out in my sketchbook or in Photoshop or whatever I have near me. And since a lot of my work is collage, like later on today, after I get off of this interview, I'll be ordering like prints of of the Harriet $100 bills that I made. So those are going to be printed out like 20 inches. So they're going to be huge. So I, I can collage them into a painting. So um, it's a lot of logistics. Like that's why I, earlier when I said, you know, creativity is not easy. It's not this simple, just go with the wind thing. It can be, but the way I do it, it's very, it's, it's a business. So uh, it requires like my checklist. Yeah. So the collages, I ordered the prints that are getting collaged into the art. So I'm doing that later today and paint. Lowe's is a big part of my process. I really want a sponsorship with Lowe's. Like they need to pay me as much as I go to Lowe's and post content and Lowe's. I've reached out to them. They haven't, you know, gotten back to me. Lowe's, if you're listening to this, just please. <laughs> Lowe's is a big part of my art process because there's so much material in Lowe's and different textures and just unconventional stuff that artists wouldn't normally use. And that's what that's what my painting is about. It's just about using stuff that isn't normal. So I'll have like my most recent paintings have like joint compound and roofing mud. So just like all these, all these, all these materials and tile. Um, Lowe's is a huge part of my process and finding those materials um, and then coming back to my studio and creating um, my studio is I'm at home now, but my studio is about five miles um, from me and it's out in the woods in this driveway that looks like if you drive a person down in there, I drove a friend down in there and he thought I was about to like take him out into the woods and chop him up into little pieces or something. But it's very like creepy and it goes off into the woods and then it opens up into this like clearing of like 10 acres with this shed right in the middle of it next to this pond. And that is my studio. It has no power or water. So it's very disconnected and off the grid. There's no Wi-Fi, no connection. So there's no room for distraction. And I just, I stay out there and I paint until it gets really, really hot in the summer or really, really cold in the winter. So, uh, but now it's like the perfect time because it's not too hot or cold. So I'll be going over to my studio to paint. But that's a lot of what my process looks like. So just, you know, thinking and getting my prints made for collages. Uh, what people give a lot of like random stuff out of their houses to me because they know I'll just use it for yeah so like the bees that I did for the greed and generosity piece was just like stuff that a lady gave me out of her house yeah collaging with found materials stuff that people give to me and then going to Lowe's finding what I could find as far as different textures and materials 
um, and then heading to the studio and putting it all together. And big part of my process is filming it, obviously, for social media, because um, the process is very important for me, but also for other artists to get inspired and see what I'm doing. So, yeah, so filming the whole time. I'm doing all of this, which is a little distracting because you're like trying to make your art, but also you need to film it, but you have to get on Instagram to film it. And then you get on Instagram and you start scrolling and forget that you're there to film it. (laughs) And you lost two hours of your studio time. And so I'm working on that part. (laughs) But yeah, so that's what my process is about. And then posting about it later. I'm trying to learn how to incorporate social media into my process without completely zapping all my time away um, and maintaining healthy boundaries with it. So that's what the process looks like. I mean, or sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) Is the isolation, that's, is that a huge part of it? Yes, it is a huge part because I cannot function in front of people. I find, (laughs) especially for social media. Um, Sometimes my mom will come to the studio with me and just sit and read a book, but I didn't, I cannot with her looking at, she's not even looking at me, but just her presence being there. I can't film or be my like naturally goofy self on camera if she's just sitting there. But I, I can paint with people watching because obviously we had to do that in Chicago during studio sessions. We have like this six hour long class where you just had to paint and your professor was watching you. I've gotten very accustomed to that because um, I had this one really uh, just macho pro- professor um, we called him boss. And he was just like, he said I was a genius. I really appreciated um, him. But he said I was a genius. But at the same time, he was always just like, he'll walk up behind my paintings and he would just take his hand and just like wipe his entire hand through my oil, oil painting and be like, just like saying expletives at me. Like this is complete and utter just bullshit this is terrible this i hate it bad just fix it yes yes (laughs) but he did that on several occasions though he he just always and then after i fixed it he would just be like you are such a genius you are you are going places i don't understand your mind and i'm like my mind made the painting initially that you ruined so i don't quite understand (laughs) (laughs) how your logic works but okay thanks for the vote of confidence so yeah um isolation is important for my social media process but I can paint in front of people so not as important for for painting like people can watch me paint but don't talk to me while I paint so it's very very um I Silence is more important than isolation. I'll say that. Yeah. Because I don't know what it is about voices, (laughs) but I don't want to, I can't, even when I was in studio sessions in school, I would have headphones on and they would play classical music. So, and you would have to tap me on the shoulder to walk up to me and say whatever you wanted to. And I would try to be as nice as possible, but I was obviously annoyed. (laughs) And, but, um, yeah, so people would walk up and try to, you know, give me a pointer or say, I really like that. And I'd be like, oh, thanks. 
headphones back on. So yeah. So, but I'm a really nice person and I'm really nice in person. Like that's not to say I'm like I'm I try I'm a very nice person. I don't want to give the impression that I'm a mean person if you try to talk to me. No, um, not at all. But you, <laughs> you need the barrier. Like, yeah, I do. To be creative. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I need that um, to be creative. <laughs> yeah. um, for, for those of you who are listening and we referenced the Flamingos, if you go to um, Bridgen's website and go to the original art and scroll down, you're you have this beautiful painting of lawn flamingos on this blue, beautiful fabric. And, um, when you go in and read the description, <laughs> the description <laughs> has that story in it. And I'm like, that's brilliant. Like I, that's, uh, you're just so honest and candid. Even when you go to sell your art, you're like, my, my professor swiped this and we finished. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> and I actually just sold that painting. Like, like two, was it, it was like a month ago. I was like, man, you don't even know. This is an iconic region moment right here. Like, <laughs> she's like, yes, I know. That's why I'm buying it. And I was like, thank you, but you don't, you don't even know what I had to go through to make this <laughs> the, the trauma. <laughs> well, last question, and and I'll let you get back to your day. Um, for anyone who's coming up behind you, or anyone, or you as a younger self, what would be some advice that you would give? Uh, I would give the advice to be consistent. I am my, I myself am struggling with consistency, but it's important to treat your art like it is your job or to obligate yourself to your art like you obligate yourself to a nine to five. So I work a nine to five four days a week. And um, on my Fridays that I'm off, my Saturdays and my Sundays, I get up the same time I do my nine to five and I paint or I work on my website or I batch film for social media um, and I'm consistent with it. So treat your craft like your business, like your job. If that's what you want it to be, Um, If you just want it to be a hobby, then that's fine. That's cool. But if you don't and if you plan on being known um, and making a living from it, then it can't just be something that you do when you feel like it. You have to have discipline um, because discipline kicks in when you don't have the motivation. So I would say consistency and social media is so beneficial and it's a game changer uh when i graduated and i had to move back here for the pandemic a big part of why i got so depressed was because i fully anticipated on staying in chicago and living there after i graduated because that's how you make a living as an artist you have to be in a city or i thought you had to be in a city where those types of people are and that type of stuff is happening. You have to be in a city with those types of people. So when I got back to Mississippi in this town with 800 people, these types of people aren't buying $5,000 paintings. Um, but social media changes that. And now I'm all over the world while still being in this town with 800 people selling paintings for $5,000. So don't take social media as a joke be consistent with it incorporate it 
into your process, make it a big part of your job because it widens your audience and makes the whole world accessible to what you have to offer instead of just the immediate people around you. So, yeah. Awesome. That's helpful. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's great. Look, thank you so much for coming on and spending this time with us and sharing about your life and your process and all your experiences. I've like I've said over and over, like I just get a thrill out of watching you on social media. I think oh, you're so thank you. and I'm so happy you're here in Mississippi. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. I hope I didn't talk too much <laughs> or was all over the place. It's perfect. <laughs> For everyone else, thank you for joining us and listening and and you know, reach out to Brigen and reach out to these other artists and follow them and see what they're up to because their lives are so entertaining and it can you can get so much out of just seeing an artist and then experiencing their art. It really is kind of an amazing transition to be able to, to see that. And social media does that for us. We're able to really connect with the yeah. artist and go for, through and really connect to their art. But until next time everybody have a great week and we'll talk to you then and a special thank you goes to our members the friends of the little yellow building beth breland mary hardy gwen fury mary adams jenny howard jenny moak evelyn peavy the evans family janet smith buffy jordan jennifer drinkwater the smith family bob bruzak and hannah hester thank you for all the support